If you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland, a mysterious, all-powerful character, but a crusader for law. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Sal, and I'm joined today by Joshua Williamson. Josh, how you doing, man? Good, good, good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Yeah, has it been that long? I guess when did we it feel like that? But you know what? Probably not. <laughs> time is time is very strange. Time is very strange. A, a, a friend of mine the other day. I'm not going to say why or what the comic was, but we were talking about a comic book, and he was like, "That comic book came out years ago," and I was like, "No, it didn't." And then he was like, "It came out last year," and I was like, "What do you find is last year?" And he's like, "Well, it is February," and I was like, <laughs> "No, no, no. That came that comic book came out in like November, dude." Like, oh my god but time time is very strange now you know so well especially because yeah, people are yeah. like working on stuff you know things that they did oh, two geez. years ago and it's coming out now or you Dude, know. yeah the that's a big piece of this stuff you know like with rogues like i rogues is coming out now i actually pitched rogues the rogues was originally a story that was going to be in flash back in 2016 like i had pitched oh, it god. And DC was like, that sounds like a rogue story. That's not a flash story. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And, and that was at the beginning of Rebirth. And so we were, you know, you're really trying to reintroduce all these concepts. And so with the rogues, it was about getting back to like a baseline core rogue story. Yeah. Um, the story I was pitching was a very different kind of rogue story. And the flash didn't have a place in it. So we were like, all right, let's put that aside and come up with something else. It's about more introducing these characters. Uh, and it always kind of sat in the back of my head. Then in, in spring of 2020, one of the editors at DC reached out to me. It was like, would you still want to do that? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. We started talking and then I couldn't let it go. And then a few months later I came back around and I told her, yeah, I, I, I want to do that story. And so I actually wrote that first issue in like September of 2020 and it's coming out in March of 2022. Oh my God. So we plan these things out really far in advance, you know, it's like, um, yeah. it was always funny. Cause I was, I remember, uh, you know, back around that time period, back in like August or September of 2020, I would hear people say like, Oh, black label's dying or there's no more black label books, but I'm sitting here like working on one. I was like, <laughs> uh, but you know, the, this is coming out and I'm, I'm really excited about it, but even, yeah. you know, like everything we work on, it takes, a long period of time to get there with some of the stuff we're planning stuff out like even now like we're having conversations about what 2023 is and, and beyond that right and that messes with my head too because i'm like wait what year is it like what am i doing <laughs> now, you know yeah like I know what i'm writing throughout the for the rest of this year and so it's kind of those things where it's, we just plan this stuff out and even with dark crisis well we you know we announced dark crisis today yeah uh, officially like dark crisis number one is done Oh. so uh yeah like it's done i can have all the art for it and we're, we're working on the further issues and we have all this stuff like covers are done plans are done there's so much already done and so it, it like it messes with their head even further of like wait did they do this i was i was texting um sterling gates actually right before the, the video and like him and i were just texting about stuff and i was uh, i sent him the cover to dark crisis and i had to like scroll i couldn't find the, the picture in my phone uh-huh to scroll down you know to the album to find it and be like there's the cover to issue one and i uh that made me realize like oh yeah like that was drawn so long ago right yeah yeah it was drawn in color it's like you know i mean sometimes at dc like you'll have these things planned far in advance and then sometimes you'll do a cover and then like two months later you know we're we're showing it to people but with some of the stuff it's so far but that's why it messes with your head you know yeah 
back in like October, November being like, this year's already over. Yeah, it's got to mess with you when you're on like a show like this where you're like, okay, so I, I'm done. Like that issue's done, but yeah. you're not going to see it for months. So I can't talk about like anything leading up to it. I mean, it's just, I mean you, you can, you can kind of tease it, but you, you got to be careful because you're like, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's a done story. Like, you know, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we're working on and, and and you know, there's been a couple things in the middle that I've kind of changed as we've gone, but you know, yeah, at this point a lot of this stuff it it's always like that too. I was always trying to be careful about that when I was working on Flash because it's like I have to keep track of my head what is actually on the stands versus what I know and I've worked on. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, okay, what has come out so far, right? So even when, when I'm working on like Batman, Robin, and Deathstroke like those books lead into shadow war and then that leads into dark crisis. And so in my brain, I'm like, okay, what has happened so far? I'm like, okay. So there's like big stuff that happens in Deathstroke six and the stuff that happens in Robin 11 and 12. And those haven't come out yet. So I have to be careful yeah. to be like, Oh, well this thing happens. And it's like, Oh, you guys don't know that yet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I have to be really careful about it. Cause I forget where those things are, but for the most part, I feel like I'm, I'm fairly, fairly careful. There are moments, there are moments if I start rolling, you know, I'll start being like, oh, this cool thing happens and this happens, you know, so I, I try to manage that. That's fair. Uh, you've been you've been spinning a lot of plates, man, and it's been going well. You got Batman, Robin, Deathstroke, uh, Justice League Incarnate. Uh, you yep. just came off the heels of uh, Infinite Frontier. And I remember early, you know, uh, Justice League Incarnate, this harmless little multiversity book people are like yeah. <laughs> either talking about or sleeping on. And I remember being like, this is part two, like, cause way back when we were talking about infinite crisis or oh, I'm sorry, infinite frontier, you were like, yeah. infinite frontier is act one. Like that's part one of the next thing. And it's going into uh, incarnate and, uh, and people going like, did you see issue four? I'm like, yeah, I read issue four. Are you kidding me? I've been reading them all. Like, yeah, because I'm trying to tell people, I mean, it's exactly. so funny. Like it is, it's interesting how often, um, we have to like constantly point at things and be like, this is important. This is important. And then people don't read it. And then they're like, what the hell? And I'm like, yeah. I told you. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the way we, way I saw it was that like, you know, way back when we were planning infinite frontier zero, it was like, okay, we'll have infinite frontier. And that's puts that puts these things on the stage. And then right. you get, does incarnate and that puts these things on the stage but there's also other stuff like what's happening to Robin and Deathstroke and Batman and there's other books that you'll see that you know that have there are other parts of things that are happening in the DCU that impact Dark Crisis but you're not going to really see that picture until you get to Dark Crisis and you're going to be like right. oh I guess I should have been reading these books because there's a lot of those pieces you know there's stuff from Flash from Teen Titans Academy all those things kind of lead into Dark Crisis there's a lot of pieces there and I, you know, I'm a continuity junkie and I, I pay attention to a lot of yeah. DC stuff, you know? So it's like, you know, I've been doing this my whole life, essentially, like always just paying attention to everything that's going on at DC and like reading all the books. And so I, I really make an effort when I'm working on stuff to be respectful of what everyone is doing and reflective of it, or at least yeah. try to plan around it without trying to completely destroy what somebody is doing. That's something I never want to do when I'm working on this stuff is I never want to be the one to be like, I just wrecked all this stuff because, you know, <laughs> I don't want to do that. So I always try to find places to be reflective, but that involves me looking at a lot of stuff. But yeah, like, you know, Infinite Frontier, then Justice League Incarnate, and then you move on to, you know, the Death of the Justice League stuff and Justice League 75, and then we dive into uh, Dark Crisis. And that's when everything gets pulled together and you go, oh, that's what this was all all these pieces were building to this to this uh, yeah to this culmination yeah. point. And uh yeah, I I I actually took a minute because um I waited with Justice League Incarnate. I was like, let me read it all kind of at once. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, more because I was like, well, I'm going to talk to Josh. I better read all of Justin Carter's with Marie Robin, and I'm enjoying Batman. But Incarnate was one of those things where, like, I'm like, ah, oh, multiverse stuff, man. Like, I still got, oh, I still got this. I, taste I'm right, man. Multiverse stuff is hard. <laughs> like, multiverse yeah. stuff. You know, I'm I'm really thankful that I have. Um, I'm co-writing that with Dennis Culver, and Dennis Culver is also yes. a continuity person, and he. You know, uh, he is a, a huge uh, Grant Morrison fan and a Grant Morrison-like disciple, mm-hmm. uh, and and I think knows that side of things much better than I do. And so, having Dennis also with me, like helping me keep a lot of that stuff straight, um, has been super super helpful. But yeah, the multiverse stuff—it is a lot, and that's why we kind of put it all in that one book. And it's like. Yeah. I feel like the story I've been trying to tell is two pieces to it because you have the stuff that's more grounded with Robin and Deathstroke and Batman and those yeah. things are going on with Lex and there's all this kind of like building thing. There's all these little subplots that will start connecting fairly soon. You'll start being like, oh, that's referencing this or this is connecting to this. Like you're going to, that side of things. And then over here, we have all the multiverse stuff and the idea of what the Great Darkness is up to. And, and you know, if you've read, it, it's interesting, um, seeing the response to everything right now because some people are like they're they're speculating all over the place right like their guesses and some of them really fun guesses and then some people have been paying attention and they are nailing it like they're like (laughs) it's really funny to see some people be like i think this is what's gonna happen and they have it like they totally know what's gonna happen but what's funny about that is i'm like yo you just read the books it's all there right (laughs) like i'm literally telling you here's what's gonna happen just read the books and you'll know more and so it's interesting to see people who are actually uh reading them and uh and and picking up those parts and then they're able to fill in the blanks because we we're i'm very selective about what we show right and we're very selective about what we put out there so it's interesting to see people able to take all those puzzle pieces and are already starting to figure out the bigger picture yeah Uh, one thing I, i think about a lot lately is how you know, it depends on when you started reading comics. Like, when does your DC fandom start? Yeah. And there are times where you can go back and you can look at an older story and you can read that story in its totality. You can read the whole thing, right? So it's not really, you're not having to put the puzzle together anymore. Somebody right. already built that puzzle for you. But because comics are monthly, you're basically, like, given a puzzle piece every month of a bigger story. Uh, yeah. Recently, I reread Craven's Last Hunt. And, dude, so good. Yeah. Like, I haven't read in a really long time, and it came up recently. I think because of like the the Craven movie stuff. Craven movie, yeah, <laughs> right. And I was like, "Or right, I want to reread Craven's Last Hunt because I haven't read it in probably like twenty years, maybe even thirty years, right? Yeah. Like I probably maybe read that in the nineties." And so I was like, "Or right, I'm gonna sit down and reread it." And I sat, I read it in one sitting, and I was like, "Man, good for them. This is a good comic book. This straight yeah. up." But it also made me think about like, man, when this was coming out monthly, which it didn't really come out monthly because it was throughout the three titles. Yeah, it was so three it really titles. Was like, yeah thing you know so you're talking about like a two-month story essentially Pretty much yeah but i was thinking about if i was going to a comic book store every week then which i was but i wasn't buying spider-man as much at that time period i think mm. i started reading spider-man post 300 and that's like right before 300 yeah um so i was thinking about it and i'm like yo if i was going into the comic book store every week buying this book and you're just giving me this one puzzle piece and one of those puzzle pieces has spider-man buried alive for a whole issue I probably would have lost my mind at that time. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, Spider-Man's going to be buried in this thing, this entire story forever. Yeah. Like, you know, and I think uh, it's really fascinating when you, now that I've worked on all of these events, right? Cause it's like, yeah. I've, I've started working at DC during 
I mean, I worked on DC stuff in 52, but nobody remembers all that. <laughs> I started working at DC during uh, Rebirth with Flash. Like, I've been able to kind of watch both sides, like watch from the outside as just a DC fan and then watch from the inside as working a lot of it. And Rebirth yeah. in particular, like working on Flash, talking with Jeff and talking with other creators, you know, I, I was just a little baby DC creator still. And so I wasn't, I was in the room with a lot of conversations, but I wasn't raising my hand as often. Gotcha. I mean, I'm still a very uh, nosy, opinionated creator. <laughs> but I think then I was a little bit less so. Now I'm, now I'm a lunatic. I, I probably drive the editors crazy because I'm always asking uh, too many questions and raising my hand too much. Mm -hmm. um, but then going through the process of seeing like Rebirth and then working on, uh, you know, Justice League versus Suicide Squad and then working on Metal and Death Model and No Justice and all these pieces uh, and then working on the stuff that I've been building. It's given me a very like, I guess I would say different perspective on, oh, sure. of, of the events and kind of the way these things play out and roll out and uh, giving me some insight on how I wanted to do this one differently than I think we've done before and have it be um just a it's a little bit of a different kind of crisis event yeah I would hope so. yeah it's not as much of a like it's it's still some really big explosions and some really big moments but i think if you read infinite frontier you saw that what how that was a much more like calm event like stuff is still happening yeah. but i was trying to spend more time with the characters and that is a much bigger piece of this is that it's really about those characters uh, when I started reading DC Comics uh, way back in the day, uh, all of these characters that were introduced, I think we've talked about this before, right? It's like, you know, you had Tim Drake, you had Connor, you had Cassie, uh, you had Kyle, yep. uh, you had Bart. All Bart. of these new characters were created in the early 90s, like late 80s, right? But early yeah. 90s, all of these new characters were introduced. And I was just a kid. And they became my POV, my my entryway into the DCU, right? right? And I wanted to do, and so that's really like more of my love of like all the generational stuff, all the legacies, all of the sidekicks. Like I love sidekicks. Yeah, uh, I love that these characters have built these families. Uh, I think it's funny that Batman is still considered a loner, but probably has the biggest family in comics. Easily. Right? Uh, I was talking about this with somebody else the other day, and I was like, I, you know, Wayne Mansion doesn't have an empty room at this point. Like, Not anymore. No, probably, that's true. I mean, it, it, technically, Wayne Mansion is destroyed, but you get the joke. It's like, there's exactly. This, yeah, every room have, probably is dedicated to somebody at this point. Um, and so I, I really have always liked all that stuff. And, and I think when I go back and I look at all these events, a lot of them are, you know, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman's perspective, right? It's yes. their point. If, and, and, you know, like Infinite Crisis, which I love, is very much a Superman story. Yeah. Uh, but if you go back and you look at the original Christ on Infinite Earths, a lot of those characters don't show up until a few issues in. Like, it takes a while. It became about everything else. I had this yeah. really great call. So Daniel Samper is the artist, and uh, he is a big Phil Jimenez fan, and I love Phil Jimenez. Uh, yeah. I think one of the greatest humans and is an amazing artist and uh, I reached out to Phil and I was like hey can we can we talk I, I want to show you some stuff I want to talk and get your opinion and I got to um, we did a zoom with him and got to talk a lot about crisis right yeah. and 
his level of crisis, the crisis he worked on. And I think something what Phil people don't realize is like, I mean, if you go back and look at Phil's body of work, you can tell, but Phil is a huge DC Comics fan. Mm. And he knows it really well. He knows the history. And getting to talk with Phil about what we were doing and, and get his thoughts on what makes a crisis and what's important to a crisis. And then but also going back and looking at the original one, um, it really made me think so much about how when we think about crisis, I think we do think of like giant explosions all the time. And we do think of, again, like you, you think of the big seven you, yeah. you think of the main Justice League team. And I was like, oh, I want to, I really want to show a crisis from a different point of view. I want to show what these other characters do and how they handle it and how they react when the shit hits the fan. Right. Yeah. And that really was what motivated this, but then also like just showing people on the street, people on the ground like real people what they're dealing with and how they're reacting to this and how they're reacting to the idea that justice league is gone and, and you know this isn't the first issue there are scenes where somebody is like uh i believe and there are scenes where somebody is like i do not believe like and there's some i mean there's a scene i'm not sure if i should tell you who the characters are mm. uh there's a there's a time when john is talking to somebody and he's talking about the Justice League dying, and the character literally is like, you know, your dad died. Your your dad died, right? Right. Dad. <laughs> and and so I want to. Uh, and there are some places where we do talk about what death actually means in the DCU, and we kind right. of idea yeah, that like the Justice League, this has happened before, and how people react to it differently. And the thing is, is that there there's a whole part of this where it's like there are heroes that don't believe, there are people that don't believe, there are some that believe, there's some don't. But at the end of the day, all of the villains on Earth are just like, we are taking advantage of this. Right. right? They're like, if they're gone, we don't care what happened. We're going to take advantage of it now. And that's part of the story is these villains being like, we're going for it. If the Justice League is gone, we're going for it. And, right. and having to have these characters kind of react to it. And you're going to see some heroes say, you know, yes, I want to do something about this. And the some are like, I have my own problems. <laughs> right. Like, uh, and so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. And yeah, I just really wanted to I don't know, show a, a crisis from a different point of view and use some of these new characters. And again, use people that are like those characters that got introduced in the 90s, who I don't think have been able to have that kind of spotlight. And uh, it's funny, well, I'll see some people upset, but like their favorite character is in some of the pictures. And I'm like, oh, trust me, they're in there. You just got to wait. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was funny. Some of their day was like, where's this character at? And I was like, oh, man, there's on the next page. We just didn't show you yet, which is true. <laughs> <laughs> like, we said, you know, uh, I think people will be surprised with the ups and downs of the series and how, you know, their favorite characters kind of come in and out and, and the pieces of the DCU that we honor and rebuild and, but also trying to take some stuff in some new directions as, as well. Oh, sure. When guys like us first got into DC, because Marvel is like a, a completely different animal with DC. Yeah, it's about okay. like the next generation. It's about legacy. Marvel's done that. <laughs> more recently more than recently ever. yeah well that was what was always so special about dc i think yeah. it's really fascinating that dc's the, the things you would associate dc with were the generational the legacy the multiverse yeah history and yeah history and sidekick yeah and and i think uh those are all things that you associate with it and there were parts like you were saying when i was starting to read you know i'm, I'm gonna use tim drake again where it's like tim drake we'll go back as far as uh dick grayson yeah. Right? And go back as far as when he was introduced to Robin. Part of the reason why that character was introduced was because they were like, we need to introduce something that kids can relate to. Yep. And it was like, you could live through Robin and be like, well, I'm hanging out with Batman. 
right? Yeah. And, and that was part of it. And then that was a sensation and it took off and they started introducing all these characters. And I think somewhere along the way, we lost some of that. And when I look at, and, and using them as a point of view for right. you to get into the story, for you to be brought into this world. Yeah. And so with Tim Drake, like I look at him and it's like, you know, he was brought in and that was somebody for me to sort of, and then it was like, I think, I'm trying to remember the, the chain of events of like little me trying to remember like when I found out about Jason Todd and being like, wait, Robin died, you know? And like, well, that's in the introduction of Tim, right? Like Tim, Tim yeah. ingratiates oh, yeah. himself into the Bat family. Like there's, there, there's a great sequence. And I don't know if it's hokey anymore because I literally haven't read it in 20 years, but it was, uh, but I remembered so vividly when uh, Tim is debating whether he should wear the suit and yeah. he's in the bat cave and the ghosts of Jason yeah, that... Todd and Tim Drake's memory are in the cave. And they're talking about like what Robin represents. Yeah. And... There's that cover. It's like a Norm Breifogel cover where it has yes. the two ghosts. The it's side, the two so ghosts. Yeah. And like that for me, at least, and I know I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking to the choir here. Uh, it, it, it implied this history and this legacy. And I think it speaks to, like a generation of comic book fans who are like, who inherited the history of the DC universe. And were like, man, like I, I just came here to read Batman because Norm Breitfeld was drawn Batman and it looks friggin' dope. Amazing. Yeah. Right. And, and then you, you are introduced to Robin and his, his suit is second to none. Right. Cause like, that's another big entry point for these characters. Mm -hmm. uh, and you learn about like, the history like not only was there a robin there were two rob one of the robins died and it's like yeah what happened there and then you get you get on the rabbit hole of like the death of robin then you get into the meta reading of like the history of how that all worked out and yeah. before you know it you're consuming everything and, and it's taking you down the rabbit hole like tim drake's journey he meets lady shiva yeah. who, who the hell's lady shiva oh uh, yeah and it, yeah, yeah that was big time i remember reading that mini and being like oh this is the first appearance as character that is not true like no more you know uh and then i became obsessed with nightwing and i remember yeah. i bought this nightwing toy and it's like one of those ones with like a stiff pose and he has the tunic the big yellow one you know yes. uh, but i became obsessed with him and then being like oh how did this happen like right. how did this happen so i have to go back and read the evolution of him becoming nightwing and then you know obviously like the robin book uh, when that first mini came out, the one with Lady Shiva, where they introduced King Snake and all that yes, stuff. And King Snake, like, yeah. That mini is terrific. And then it just keeps building because you have Joker's Wild, then you have the Huntress one. It's like, is it Cry for Huntress? Cry of the Huntress. I have those. I was close. <laughs> yeah, you are. With those covers, the covers that you pull and yes, like creates dude, like the half ass animation. All of it. And then yes. I remember when, when Robin uh, number one came out, where it was like, it was. You had to read that right after reading Nightfall, essentially. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it was him. and He got Redbird and all that Red stuff. Bird. He got the car. That's actually how I found out. I'm not even sure if this is true. Uh, in, in that in that story, Tim Drake is 15. Right. I know he's 15 because he makes a point of saying it because of the driver's license. He has a, he has a handicapped father. And so yes. he needs to, he has like a handicapped, like, assistance license or something. Yes. Yes. Yes, dude. So crazy. But that's how I know Tim Drake was 15. And that's exactly. Story. <laughs> uh, but you know um i could talk about tim drake and the robins all day uh you know but this is the thing like when nightwing number one came out yeah uh, when that series took off i mean you know scott mcdaniel scott mcdaniel that artist nuts he, yeah i i you know i i think that that thing that he shows of nightwing bouncing around and stuff like that was such a it, it was such a robin thing you yep. know and now he's all the time for him right like you kind of associate that idea with him yeah uh, 
but yeah all that stuff like and, and you know we've been introducing all these new characters and it was like i wanted to show like what these characters do when a crisis happens because they're not those characters it, 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 i look at um the free comic book day special that we're doing it actually stars wally west and spoilers uh it actually <laughs> stars well i kind of ruined that a little bit that'd be fine uh it stars wally west and part of the point of that is that like you know wally wasn't always the flash but when he became the flash we accepted him and and part of that it took time yeah i mean we really go back and look at it it's like and i had this conversation with mark wade and howard porter and you know you're talking about return of barry allen that's in the 70s yeah like that's that that storyline that when you're talking about that that means from like issue one to issue 70 there were people that were like he's not the real flash it takes yeah. into that story where people were like oh he's a real flash that is a good chunk of time yeah. that is a good chunk of time what's funny about us is I, I asked this when howard and i were working on flash together he would tell me that uh when he was working on flash the first time with jeff and it was uh wally was right. the star all he would ever get asked is where is barry when are you bringing Barry back every time? And so now that when we were working on Barry, all we'd ever get asked is Wally, and it's just a cycle. Of course. But, uh, you know, we accepted him, and, you know, he eventually was on the JLA, and he was, but he actually been on the JLA before that. He was on the Justice League. It's just that people yeah. didn't really, it, for whatever reason, it wasn't the same. And and I think that's sort of what I, I kind of use Wally as a vessel for, is to kind of explain that piece of the story of, like, you know, it takes time for these characters to kind of fall into where they're going to be, but they all are capable of stepping out of the shadows of what came before. It just yeah. takes time and it takes stories to get them there. Yeah, and I think the the audience is willing, like especially especially the DC crowd. But like with when it comes to the DC universe, and because there's that history and that implied like yeah. tradition of that of of, of legacy and next generation, the audience is like. Yeah, I'm happy with the next generation. Like, I'll, I'm down for whoever's gonna ascend, and as long as it's like earned, as long as they earned, go through yeah. the, the well, motions, it's funny. The you know? earned thing is funny because the earned thing, the earned thing only comes if you're actually reading the books, right? Like, there was somebody who tweeted at me, and, and uh, you know, I think we talked before. Like, I have I have Twitter shut down like 23 hours out of the day, almost. Yes. Uh, you know, I have it, I guess 22 hours a day is blocked and I don't have it on my phone. I only have it for an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And you'll always notice how I tweet in those two time periods. Yeah. <laughs> and, and most of my tweets are scheduled. So I, I try to avoid it. But every once in a while, like this morning, I will look. And somebody was like, um, they said, restore the relationship between John and Lois. And I was like, what are you talking about? That's been back for a long time. Yeah. Like, a long long time well i'll see some people be like why isn't wally the flash and i'm like yo he's been in that book for almost a year yeah, you know so, he's on another side of a universe like he's he's out yeah he's, yeah, not he's even trapped there. in the pariah prison you know so it's exactly. like you know they're like it, it's interesting to see that stuff and so it's tough when i see some of the, the sentiment where i'm like we well, kind of have to be reading it like yeah you are making these moves so earning things earning things is tough if you aren't actually reading it to get right. there so it's like what is earning me you know that's it's true like, when you think about um how long tim drake has been robin it's more than 30 years yeah right and damien's been around for what 17 16 yep. years right yeah yep. been it's been a while and so it's an interesting uh dynamic with that but that all being said a big part of this was 
it's not just about the new stuff. It's about showing that all the classic stuff matters, right? Like all yeah. of those do matter. When you look at Return of Barry Allen, that story is, is and I, I think uh, Mark Wade talks about this, I think in the trade, like there's an intro yeah. where that story is not just about Wally. That's a, that's a Barry Allen story. Yeah. Like it's about Barry Allen. And, you know, I, I look at that story. It's like, still think it's the best flash story of all time and i look at that and i'm like that's what this is also about where it's like it is also about those characters that aren't necessarily starring in the beginning of the story right mm-hmm. like we're not gonna have a lot of those classic characters in the beginning we'll have some obviously like you see hal and you see wally in the story like they play hal and wally play major roles in dark crisis and so do a lot of their characters uh, i don't want to necessarily reveal just yet you'll be kind of surprised yep. uh in some places and you know the story will play out um but it is about embracing all of those pieces, right? Like all yeah. of it, not stuff, but all the classic stuff too. All those pieces that are, I think are important. Um, and letting them uh, run around, have some fun while the shit hits the fan. Exactly. While everything's going bad in the DCU. Here, hold yeah. on. Camera's like glitching out here. There we go. A little bit. It, it adds a, a kind of element of yeah. unexpectedless, like like Psycho Pirate's going to break in. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom Tom King is right. Him and Mitch are doing this right now. They're, they're <laughs> that's right. Nice. That's right. That's how we know that like we're in the we're not in the reality that we're supposed to be in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that what that means? I don't remember. But in any case, uh, <laughs> Death of Justice League. I yeah. remember that being announced. It was just like seventy five, and I thought like I remember people getting upset, and I'm like they announced it. Like it wasn't like a big, you know, <laughs> they announced it. It's not, you know, but uh, clearly it's an homage to Superman 75. Uh, I, I oh, didn't yeah. realize it was connected. I thought it was just a, I honestly thought it was just kind of like a fun one and done. We're doing it for just like 75. They die at the end of the, at the end of the book, you know, the specter will put them all back. It doesn't matter. You know, just some kind of thing, but no, it's connected. <laughs> it's connected directly yeah, yeah. to the dark crisis. Um, number one, how much fun was it to, go back and recreate the poster and uh (laughs) that happened that was man i i called jurgens and i was like i have an idea and and some artists you know some artists don't like doing homages some in particular homages of their own work yeah like some of them you know they don't want to do it and and or they get nervous and they're then you're you're trying to live up to a certain idea right um and trying to replicate the success of something but that movie poster or the, the poster of the funeral, like it's such an iconic image. It's yep. just, it's so iconic. And, and I have a lot of respect for Dan. So I called Dan and I was like, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think? Or would you we'd be interested in this? Is this something you want to do? And uh, he was very interested. He had some thoughts. He actually designed two covers. I think we're using both of them. The one that you oh, already cool. seen, haven't shown yet. Um, and uh, we went back and forth on. We talked about it a lot. The, the biggest challenge of that was the amount of coffins to have on the cover. Right. There's a <laughs> of it that I drew that had like way too many coffins on it. It looked ridiculous, like awful, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and Dan was right to be like, "Well, actually, let's modernize it a little bit. Let me change it up a little bit. Let's put some of these characters in here." We did that a while ago. Uh, we've been talking about how we have a couple costumes that are wrong in it, and we're gonna fix it before print. But <laughs> uh, if it happens, mostly because costumes change. You know, like sometimes right. it's change, and then you're like, "Oh, we didn't know we were changing that. Let's fix it." And, yeah, you know, we always try to make it so by the time it goes to print, it's correct. Um, you're not gonna catch it every time. Uh, but yeah, talking to Dion and working that out with him, and then like that was it was so cool. I don't know. I 
like I, I remember uh we talked about it before but like waiting in the rain to buy you know not the superman when it came out yeah. and then you know uh going into the comic book store uh when all of the rain of the superman stuff happened it's crazy i don't really remember this but like issue 500 adventures of superman 500 plus all four issues all came out on the same day yeah I they, they staggered it. yeah oh dude i remember walking into the comic book store and they had uh they rearranged the comic book store just for this where they'd taken um party tables right just yeah. straight up like wrestling i'm gonna throw you through table like they had just laid them out <laughs> in the room and they made it so it was like an assembly line so you could literally go through and pick out and man i bought like three copies of everything and then i yeah. found the covers and i was like oh wait there's like a new stand cover i'm buying those two but i had all those die cut covers of course uh, i haven't convinced dc to use die cut yet i'm trying <laughs> i i think that's kind of cool i know it's it, it i think it beats chrome it's very dated i get it but i'm like just one it's kind of fun i think that's kind of dope Dude, i have that wolverine i have that wolverine 50 the, cover like it's right over here right like confidential so, document one yeah yeah, yeah. There, Dude, a couple of awesome. those yeah. a couple of those really work and really those super, that those one superman really ones, works i think the superman ones really work the superman ones really i was literally work. just watching seinfeld and the action comics die cut was being was was in that episode and yeah. i was like hey i am exactly what cover that it's green it's the action comics one it's the eradicators yeah yeah but uh, I, uh yeah, yeah but I, I i you know loved working with dan on that one and pulling yeah. that one together and then working with rafa on uh, rafa sandoval uh is drawing it with uh jordy who's inking um and Alejandro is actually Alejandro's not coloring that one. Um, Alejandro is coloring uh, Dark Crisis, uh, but getting to work all of that was it was a lot of fun. It was pretty intense. Like yeah. even when that issue, I mean, in that issue, I mean they 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 die in that issue. So I mean they get it's 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 a really big battle and it is a lot of fun. And the two page spreads are crazy. Like Rafa is just going for it. Sweet. And but there are some scenes in it that are. are it was a little brutal. It was a little hard. Okay. <laughs> like there was a couple times where I was like, "Oh, I don't know if I can do this." <laughs> like, <laughs> had a couple moments, and then I would talk to Rafa. Rafa is like, "I just drew killing my favorite character." <laughs> I was like, "I don't know what to tell you. I'm so sorry." Uh, but you know, obviously, you're paying attention. You know what's going to happen. But right. uh, you know, there's a there's a big picture, and um, but it's a fun it's a fun issue. And I think when you look at who. Uh, actually goes into the battle and who they meet when they get there um mm. i think sometime before we get to the foc of issue 75 we're gonna reveal like the actual army that they fight it's like this dope two-page spread that rafa did that is is crazy so we're gonna we're gonna put that out there probably in a few weeks cool um it's really awesome but yeah getting to pull all this stuff together that cover the one that's the, the actual death of the justice league cover the one that daniel did that has the big bold lettering on it yes yes actually i designed that so it was it was based off of um if you go back in the 90s uh when the books were hitting issue 100s like flash wonder was flash the one with the silhouettes yeah yeah because i have flash 100 or whatever it is yeah Flash 100 100 green arrow 100 uh all those have the big bold and it was like it was like a foil it was a foil color yeah it was like a holographic but it was like the sparkly yeah and then the little silhouette of the character right they did i think they did one for superman where it was like death of clark kent yes and it was a glass right yeah okay so um i essentially looked at that and i was like can i merge these ideas somehow where it's just like because we were going back and forth on what the cover could be and like how do you tell people what this book is like how is it there's no mistake of what this book is right 
I was like, well, we should we should just put it in big bold letters on the cover. And then I was like, oh, dude, let's just do this. And so I went and I made a version of it uh, using somebody else's art just to show what I meant. Santa right. Daniel. Daniel was like, um, I'm down with this. He, Daniel, talked to uh, Bruno Redondo and Jorge Jimenez. And the three of them, which are this like beautiful little hive mind of amazing artists, they also like gamed out, okay, here's how you do it. And then uh, and then we just took it to DC and DC was like, hell yeah, I'll do that. Like Andy Kubert was like, yeah, that'll be, that'll pop off the stands. Nice. And then their design team came in and put it together. And then somebody at DC was like, this is really cool. You should actually do it. Cause what was funny is we had to do the full art. Right. Right, and then we put the the font lettering over it. over it. Yeah, and then somebody at DC was like, "We should do it as an acetate cover." So when you open it, see, that's I was like, die "Dude, on, we're doing the acetate cover. Let's do it." Yeah, so it's an acetate cover. That's uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, it was really really a cool process with everything we're doing. And same thing with the you know, I mean, Daniel Daniel is incredibly uh, thoughtful, and Daniel is also like a huge DC fan, and and so even with the cover that's like the the wrapper it's a wraparound cover but it's that big image where it's all of the the heroes that are left behind you have like the ghosts of the justice league and then you have images of like the dark army and the stuff that's coming and and um like daniel i mean he spent a lot of time on that like everything he's doing he's putting so much tiny bits of care and and that's what we were talking about like making sure things are accurate and yeah costumes are accurate like he is he's obsessed with that like he really wants to make sure and uh it's been hard because like making you know and, and i i know dc fairly well right I, I like to believe and sure and so going through and trying to find all the heroes all the villains like all this stuff and really making sure the costumes are accurate and they're doing what they're doing it, it was interesting talking to phil jimenez because phil jimenez brought up something where he was like you know you can use an opportunity like this to showcase a character in a different way or show them in a way you didn't think about before. Hmm. Like a hero could do something cool with their powers or just in general, like some kind of relationship thing or, or whatever. And, and we were talking about that. And then I was also thinking about the villains and I was like, Oh yeah, I could probably showcase villains that people don't normally know that maybe look silly, but then I'm like, let's make them scary. Let's make yeah. them. Oh, and so, I mean, that's where I, I mean, it's in the press release and he's on the cover. So I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but like right. Pariah is a huge part of this story, right? Like, yeah. you know, we showed Pariah was back at the end of infinite uh, frontier number six. Yep. And uh, he is a big part of all of the stuff we're doing. Um, and doing a lot of research on him uh, in the road to story. Um, we're doing a justice league road to special. And in it, there's a bunch of stories. And one of them is by Phil Kenny Johnson. And he's doing the Pariah story of like, this is who Pariah is. Cool. Uh, Cause most people probably don't know who Pariah is. Right. He hasn't really been used. Like, I mean, I think it's fascinating that the character that is really the point of view and like, you can say the top like five main characters of Christ on infinite earth has not been used since like, he That's was fair. a couple things in the nineties, like a couple little bits, you know, like you had a couple, very very light things with him but not really and then you get to um infinite crisis and alexander luther actually kills him before the event starts in the last yes. world united and or i think it was in the special but but he dies early and i was always like it's so interesting to have this character that their power i mean he's invincible like if you right. go back and read that stuff like he constantly survives the destructions of earths in the multiverse yeah. fly and he can be teleported to wherever there's a crisis happening yeah. uh, and he uh is invincible and and in that story you know he 
is sort of a hero, but what was always really fascinating to me about Pariah is Pariah kickstarted it, right? Like he's the one that unleashed, he he was trying to figure out the secrets of the universe. Like when you go back and you read it, it's like, oh, here's this guy who has solved all of his world's problems. All of them. There are no more problems. He's he's hunger, poverty, health, everything is great. He did it. And now he's just obsessed with their origins. And they're like, no, maybe there's some things you don't need to know. And he's like, I got to know it all. I got to know it all. I got to know it all. So I'm going to build a machine and know it all. And then he sees the actual creation of the universe. But in the process, he, you know, unleashes the anti-monitor. He causes problems. And then his world is destroyed. And that's when all the worlds are getting destroyed. And then he was left in limbo. In that book, they talk about this. Like, he was left in limbo for, like, thousands of years. (laughs) Just chilling. Yeah. And then uh, the monitor pulls him to give him this power. Right. And and then, because uh, the monitor was the one that gave him that power to jump from crisis to crisis, not the anti-monitor. So he gets pulled into the crisis events where he's going from world to world to world to where all these crises are happening. And there's a reason why they get to it like halfway through Crisis Everest, they explain why. But one of the things that was really funny to me, and I've, I've reread that book probably too many times in the last like five years. Oh, to prep um, for this, for sure. But yeah. Oh, well, well, yeah. So there's a part where uh, he's with a bunch of the heroes and they're talking about how he's going to lead them into battle to go yeah. up against the anti-monitor. And he he and Harbinger basically explain what's going on. Harbinger is like, they do the info dump. Like, Harbinger's yeah. like, here's who I am. This is what happened. Right. Like, what happened. And Lady Korg is just like, wait, 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 wait. You mean this all started because of you? Right. And she's pissed. She's like, my world's gone. Your world's gone. Everything is awful. You're a bad person. And she's about to fight him. And then the heroes throw her back. And then Uncle Sam, just in one panel is like, I think he's been punished enough. And then it's never mentioned again. Right. <laughs> it is never like, this dude, this dude's selfishness for uh, knowledge, for essentially trying to know the origins of these things, led to all these problems. And just Uncle Sam, Uncle Sam is like, it's okay. Yeah, it's leave it alone. We don't we'll have time okay. to show a fight scene right now, so we're just gonna yeah. go on. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, he doesn't really do, he, he's obviously a, a nut in that yeah. story, you know, I mean, he's gone through things. That's what we kind of say at the end of Infinite Frontier 6, where he's just like, you have to imagine what that does to a person to have not just watched a few people die, but has watched cities be decimated, has watched whole worlds. I mean, the set that, you know, when you open up Christ and Infinite Earths, it has the first page that is like, here's the origin of the multiverse. Page two, three is Pariah literally being like, there's no point in running, you're all going to die. Yeah. And like, why am I, why do I have to suffer and watch as you die? Which it's like, that's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you really look break it down of, of what that does to a person and what he was really like. And so I was oh. always really curious about him. And so even when I came back way back in 2016, or I started working at DC again in 2015, I would always be like, when we'd have these conversations about villains and everything, and I'd always be like, what about Pariah? Where's Pariah? <laughs> Where's Pryor at? The last time somebody used Pryor was actually Sterling, of all people. Really? Uh, Sterling, uh, I say of all people because he was texting me a few minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but he just texted me while we let's see what Sterling has to say. Oh, okay, cool. He said, that looks rad. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, uh, you know, with um, Sterling had him in an issue of Vibe where in oh. the, it was because it was like leading into some of the stuff for Forever Evil, and which was, which Forever Evil was leading into Dark Side War. Yeah. Uh, um, and in the background at Argus, they have like all these prison doors, 
and one of the prisoners back there, there's a label, and I think you can kind of see him, it says Pariah. Okay. And so I was like, what was the plan there? Like, how did Pariah, like, and how did Pariah not get involved in the rest, right? Like, yeah. Forever Evil and then the Dark Side War and all that. And and so I, it was kind of a blessing in some ways that nobody had really used him in a major way. And so when I started building Infinite Frontier, I was like, I was like, oh, can I use Pariah now? Right. Like, can I use this character now and, and show why they're, you know, why they can be a scary person, right? And why, you know, we go back, like, Pariah, as much as Pariah made some massive mistakes and, and does feel guilty about it, there's, I think there's a part of him that is like, well, I was doing the right thing. Exactly. Like, they're not remorseful about it. No, no. I mean, he is. I mean, he, he cries a lot. In he cries a lot, but like, but like the way that <laughs> He's someone... almost always crying. Yeah, but like, like suspiciously too much. Like the kind where it's like, it's yeah. because it's happening to you. Like, you know. Because... Well, it's also a little bit, yeah, it's a little bit of a like, pay attention to me, look at how guilty I am for this horrible thing I did. Don't you see how bad I feel? <laughs> right. I'm sorry that you were don't, offended. Yeah. Don't like let Lady Court beat me up and put me in some kind of cosmic prison. You know, it's like, because the end of that story, him and Harbinger and Lady Court, they just go on a road trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no there's no like maybe we should slow down that guy might be dangerous yeah. like you know like maybe we need to stop him from just wandering Doing off anything? The yeah. uh and so it was really kind of a blessing that nobody had really used him and so i was able to kind of uh, grab him and pull him into the story and, and and use him in a major way that really references and and you know try to honor what mark wolfman and george perez were doing back with that original story and really try to uh to play off of some of the pieces they had put out there with with him, right? Yeah. Like him particularly. I mean, he's the biggest connection between the two stories is him. Right. Now, the great darkness that is yes. coming that has uh, been behind everything since '86. I mean, everything is a big word. Uh, you know, yeah, it's funny with the great darkness because it's like, well, go ahead, ask your question, and then we can talk about just, the great darkness a little bit. Just you see the great darkness. Uh, the great darkness has not only been this thing that like Darkseid's been trying to steal against, and it informs Final Crisis, but also that like the great darkness is involved in Fifty Two, Zero yeah. Hour, Christ Infinite Earths, Cosmic Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, nice poll. Uh, I like Cosmic Odyssey. I actually I, own an original. I, I own an original page of art from Mike Mignola from Cosmic Odyssey. I know a lot of people don't like it. I, I found. I that love it. It's a great book. Years. Yeah. It was people were telling me like it, people didn't like it, and I was like, "What? It's awesome. It's Mike Mignola. What are you talking about? Look at this thing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. That's that's that's, um, that's the issue where like, a gay fanboy ruins. <laughs> uh the, the the planet that john stewart's yeah yeah up. uh well let me tell you a story about something uh and then we'll we'll double back to this yeah so when i was on flash one of the things that i i didn't do this this is what was really funny i remember being on a panel and somebody asked me a question on the panel and it was after running scared had come out so i'm, I'm in like year two of the flash and they were like they were like i think it's really interesting that you made your bar thon into a fanboy and he's obsessed with barry and i was like what are you talking about i didn't make that up Right, like that's in <laughs> return. Barry Allen, like there, that's a whole. I mean, dude, he is so obsessed with, with Barry Allen that he makes himself look like Barry he got, Allen. He got plastomorph surgery. <laughs> I didn't make any of that up. And then you go back, and I remember I was like, "You read Blitz? There's a there's Blitz. There's a whole scene where, uh, where Hunter is in class with like his mentor, and they're talking about the rogues, and they talk about Eobard, or they talk about Eobard, and it's all there. It's all there." 
So all I did was, I was like, you see that thing that was already there? I was pointing at it. But because it hadn't been like brought up in a certain context, people thought I made it up. Right. And that's the same thing with like that issue, the Swamp Thing issues. Those Swamp Thing issues, those were Christ and Inference crossover issues. Like right. literally issue 46, which is the part one of that story, has a giant banner on top that is like crisis special crossover. Like it is, <laughs> I mean, being a story has Swamp Thing and John Constantine in, like they're there with the Ori. <laughs> like, yeah. They're looking at stuff. They're part of that story. And then they get sponged off to take care of something that was going on with the cult and magic and the great darkness and the seance and all that. Like, I'm, it was interesting to see when we started showing that people being like, Oh, I can't believe you connected to those two stories. And I was like, right. it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> like, all I did was point at it. And with the great darkness stuff, if you go back and you read the multiversity guidebook, the multiversity guidebook essentially set that up. They just don't straight out say it. Mm. They, they essentially, when you go back and you look at, uh, yeah, the multiversity guidebook, there is a panel that talks about essentially the, the darkness behind all things. And, you know, uh, Dennis, again, who is obsessed with everything that uh, Grant Morrison does, uh, we talked about that a lot. And we went back and, uh, you know, Dennis, Dennis really did a lot of research. Like I do a certain amount of research. Dennis went like above and beyond to try to make sure all these connections were there. And so what we did was, and this is why that was really funny, all we did was take all of these connections, essentially puzzle pieces, right. that have been laid out from other people over a very long period of time. We took all those puzzle pieces, maybe not all of them, most of them, and we put them on the ground. We said, look at this puzzle we made. And then I saw people were like, I can't believe you would do that. I can't believe you connect all this stuff. And we were like, what? all this stuff is already kind of here like all these pieces of this puzzle were already sort of floating around um and that's how you know we decided uh to connect some of that stuff but even then i was like those connections were always there we just pointed out for the first time in a really big way like you know when you look at the beginning of that issue of justice and car number four all we did was take all those puzzle pieces that had been in separate comic books and put them in order. Yeah. And I think because we put them in order in a very concise way over 10 pages, and then they're beautifully drawn by Chris Burnham, yeah. right? He just like nails it. Uh, it. It almost makes us look like we're, uh, I mean, listen, I'm flattered. People think we're geniuses for connecting all this <laughs> stuff. But it was mostly just like, we're, we're taking all these pieces that were there and we we're just putting them together for the first time in a very clean way that you can see for the first time. Yeah. And then, yeah, with the great darkness, I mean, the Great Darkness plays a very major role in the story, and it's it's a big piece of it. Uh, but there's a lot more going on than the Great Darkness. And okay. Again, stuff with Pariah. There's the stuff with the other armies. We have the stuff with Deathstroke that's going on because the stuff with Deathstroke that we've been setting up in, De- in Deathstroke Inc. That all builds into Shadow War, and then the right. stuff that happens. There's a, there's a couple of really big things that happen in Shadow War that I think are gonna like really surprise people. Like you're gonna there's a bunch of like twists and turns coming that we haven't shown yet. Like this is one of the things that's been really fun about working on Dark Crisis and the stuff with the Great Darkness is that this was an opportunity working with DC to, it's like a magic trick. We, we're playing our hand in some places, but not playing all of them. Right. And we, we play them in the book. So there's a lot of stuff that like, I think in the past we would have just told you like, yeah. this is coming, this is what's happening. Um, and we do in some places, like the fact that, you know, the death of the Justice League is not a surprise. Like that issue, like, I mean, dude, we, we tell you what happens. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's right there. It's right there. Um, 
you know, how we get there. And then like, there's a little bit of the ending of how it spins out and how that connects into dark crisis. But we, we literally are like, this is what's coming. This is what's yeah. happening. Um, and that's kind of, a, it's funny because I think some of what we're doing, uh, maybe I'm giving too much away with this, but some of what we're doing is literally like, look over here, look over here while I surprise you with this trick over here. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's another thing happening and then we, we put them together. And uh, so there are some twists and turns coming and that'll be why some things are the way they are during dark crisis that we haven't. I think that it, it's one thing that's interesting about this is that like by the time dark crisis comes out, so that's June, I think we'll have already shown, let me see. So, so one, two, three, four. Yeah. So by the time issue one actually comes out, we will have definitely shown the first three covers and maybe the fourth cover. Oh. So by the time we get there, there'll be some spoilers out there. Like people will start figuring some stuff out just because of that. Right. Sure. Like they'll, you can't avoid it, but we've been trying to make it so that, you know, there are some surprises and unexpected things that people will be like, okay, well, how do you, like, how did that happen? And then how does that lead to this? And it's like, oh, I just got to wait and see at all. <laughs> there, but yeah. Yeah, making the great darkness uh, a big piece of this. That started way back before Infinite Frontier Zero came out. We were actually working on it, and we were thinking about what was going to happen to Dark Side post. What was going to happen to Dark Side post Death Metal? Right. And the idea that he would get like kind of left behind somehow, and he would be lost in the darkness, and what would happen to him as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we started having these conversations and I remember I was on the couch one day and I was just thinking about it and thinking about the villains I wanted to use and the ideas I had and how to make it just this big, fun DC adventure. And I already knew a lot of the villains I already knew, but then I was just like, oh, wait, I can use the great darkness. And the first person I went to was James because James had been kind of lightly bouncing around the great darkness in justice league dark yes and and so i I went to you know to james first and was like here are my thoughts on the great darkness what do you think and and, then getting his thoughts on it and then rom v who was taking over justice league dark i went to rom and and was like here's what i'm thinking are you playing with this stuff and then we were able to kind of start talking and then he was pitching me what he was doing in League dark and i was like okay interesting i can use some of that let's you know, those are really good ideas. So let's try to like find places for them. And then, but at the same time, not mess with other people who are doing right or, or contradict it, you know, yeah. uh, trying to just, yeah, build this, uh, use this like villain that is, is hard to describe in some ways of just like, it's just the ultimate evil that's on the outside of everything that was here first. I mean, if you go back and you read again, like if you go back and read uh, Christ on infinite earths, Number one, the first page, it talks about how before there was just a darkness. Yes. And then the darkness screamed. And because of the birth birth of the multiverse. And I was like, it's so interesting how these things are all connected. So it's like the darkness stuff was already connected to Christ and Infinite right from the beginning. And and so I was like, all right, let's just find ways of 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 building this into something a little different. But again, it's like we're we're talking so much about the kind of like bigger ideas of the great darkness and, and some of these big cosmic multiverse stuff. But that wasn't even the stuff I was most excited about writing. I was mostly excited about writing how those characters react to it and getting to see some of them meet each other for the first time, you know, and how do those, those meetings go and do they go well or do they go badly? And it's not, uh, I think people will be surprised 
that if they have expectations for what they think is going to happen, I try to find ways of, of anticipating that and then twisting it. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, I just wanted to tell a really cool story in the DCU that's about legacy, right? It's about all these things we're talking about. It's about, you know, these new heroes, but it's also about the old heroes too. Yeah. So the funny thing is, you know, after reading, one of the things I should have done was record myself actually reading uh, Incarnate, like one through four. Because uh-huh. yeah. each, each time I'm just like, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, you get this feeling um, of everything culminating and ramping up. And then you see the, you know, the tease for the legacy of everything for the dark crisis and, and what might come of it. And obviously we can't talk about what's going to come out of it because like, we yeah, haven't even, yeah. it's not even June, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this feels like a Wolfman Perez kind of thing. Like this feels like a, like a return to form classic DC crisis that like, you know, Identity Crisis was like a, let's use the name Crisis, but we're just telling a murder mystery, you know? Or like Infinite Crisis is like, let's tell like a subversion of Crisis, like an anti-Crisis kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to coin a phrase I think Scott used in yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Death Metal. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but this is like a... I remember as a kid hearing about Christ and Infinite Earths and like, mm-hmm. as a very, like, right. And pulling it, opening it being like, I don't see any Batman in here. And just not even knowing what the hell you're know, seeing Harbinger and the anti-monitor and like flashes and, and, and earth two. And I'm like, I don't even know what the hell I'm looking at. You know, it's, yeah, it's, well, it's it's choked with all this stuff and 12 issues. There's a lot going on in there, and it's packed. I mean, that's one yeah, thing I think is packed. That, it's so dense, right? Like, but like, yes, no, but you dense, compare Crisis yeah. to to Final Crisis. I think Final Crisis is longer, or at least thicker. You know, it's a bigger book. It's think, not as daunting. I think Final Crisis is seven. Is it really? It, it, it is only seven I issues. That's right. Because I think it's seven plus you have like a mini series that you have to. Yeah. Like, well, there's all the minis too. You know, yeah. But yeah, like you have to read. I think it was called Superman Beyond. It was a three D yeah. book. Like you absolutely had to read that. You had to read that. Was it going to make sense? That's right. Um. Yeah, and and I mean that's what we chose. So Dark Crisis is seven issues, because because yeah. uh, I'm out. <laughs> uh, I guess I can blame James for this because originally I think it was gonna be six, and then James was like, "All the rest are seven. And I was like, "You're right." Um, but what that allowed me to do, what's funny about that is allowed me to, to just breathe. Yes, because you know a lot of times, you know, you don't want to overplot, essentially, and yeah. and so I wanted to be able to have these quiet moments between the characters and moments where you one of the things i talk about because we have other stuff that's going to be related to dark crisis we haven't announced yet um the one of the biggest things i, I was talking to one of the writers that's working you know, that work on stuff that's connected to dark crisis and the yeah. biggest thing i had to him was like let it breathe and let people react yeah like let people react to what's happening around them. that's the biggest part of this is you want to like let them live in the moment of like wait what's happening what is going on um, sometimes those are the best moments in like an event where it's just characters reacting yeah because they're you yeah yeah and and that was a big a big piece of this was just like let people react i mean there's a scene in uh in issue one it's in the there's a scene issue one where hal jordan finds out what's happening because he doesn't know he doesn't he doesn't necessarily know what's going on and so there he finds out and someone explains the whole thing to him (laughs) Uh, he literally just like when somebody basically breaks down him this is what happened uh, the first thing he says, he stares at the person for a minute and he just goes, bullshit. And he walks out of the room. <laughs> and, and Polly and John are like chasing him down to talk to him about it. Uh, 
And I, I, I wanted stuff like that. I wanted to see those characters just give them for a minute and react. Yeah. And, and that was why when I say, like, oh, we extended an issue, it just let me have some of those scenes be a little, like, let them breathe. That's you know, great. I have to, like, I, 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 don't get me wrong. Like, this story is a weird mix of things. Like, I, it's not, it's not decompressed and it's not compressed either. Like, right. I, I really tried to let things breathe but make sure something happens you know mm-hmm. like there's always mm-hmm. something happening and there's big fights and there's big fun and you know uh, character just straight up character moments and, and having i think some um like big fan moments uh let those moments like happen shine. yeah yeah happen have some room for it you know like not have it be just one panel of like oh those two characters you wanted to see fight for the last 10 years oh yeah we're not gonna it, We're it's part of a bigger that. fight and it's what yeah no let's, let's, let's give them like six pages or well, yeah. four so let's let's let them actually do it and then and then you know let daniel just cut loose on some cool fight scenes and let it actually breathe and, yeah that's and, dope. and put some of these characters really through the test right it's like you know show them when uh the ch- chips are really down but let, yeah. it, let them react to that and actually uh show how those things play out that's yeah. why i was i was really thankful to have the seven issues for it speaking of reactions um it feels like this is this whole thing you know like dark crisis uh death of justice league you know you're, you're doing a free comic book day zero issue of dark crisis which is a brilliant idea i think they did the same thing with the infinite crisis as well where it's like there's a zero issue for free comic book day there was like, a zero issue i don't know if that was out, i don't know if that was on free comic book day but i think it came out during that no, week, I think I think it was a free of, issue because I think the idea was like get it get it in the hands. I remember people. if it was you're talking about countdown. Was it countdown? I, I feel like oh. countdown was a dollar. I, yeah, I, I it was feel a buck. Like countdown was a dollar. I mean, countdown is dope. That issue is dope. Like that issue that is, is yeah. That issue is really good. Uh, um, but yeah, like it's it, I think it was a dollar. Somebody okay. else can correct me and tell me if I was wrong. I, I think, I think you're right because I thought I, I remember it being tied in with free comic book day, but. Um, but the idea of making like a zero issue that like gets people in on the ground floor of this thing yeah, on the big celebratory, Hey, we're back in comic book stores, free comic book day. Like, cause I think free comic book day last year was in August. Like it was just, and there was no yeah. free comic book day the, the year before that. So like we're, we're getting back and it's, but I feel well, like also, it's just, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say also with that issue, uh, I kept in mind with that particular issue, the zero issue that, that is an opportunity to talk to a broader audience, right? Right, Like it's an opportunity to go to somebody who hasn't read DC comics in a long time, an opportunity. So it's a zero issue that definitely sets things up and it kind of introduces what's going on in the DCU at that time. But, you know, I was like, free comic day is also for kids, you know, it's like, you want to make it or, you know, it's for kids for teenagers. It's, you know, an opportunity to just try to like give people an entry into the story. So it's not as, uh, uh, how I put this, like, continuity heavy mm-hmm. uh, as maybe some of the other stuff is. Um, because I was like, let's let's make sure we make this a little more broad. And, and that's actually being drawn by Jim Chung. Yes. Uh, dream come true. I, I've, I've wanted to work with him since he worked on Flash uh, back in the 90s. Like, I, I remember when he was doing Scion. Like I loved Scion across Gen and uh, you know, then he obviously went over to Marvel and was at Marvel for a while doing Young Avengers. And I've always wanted to work with him. And I got close a couple times, you know, working on the Justice League stuff with James and Scott, but never got to work with him one-on-one. And uh, so with this, when they brought him up, I was just like, yes, please. And I, and I got to talk to him on the phone and pitch him what I was doing. And 
he's another really thoughtful creator and really has questions and wants to talk about what the story is. And so he's been, he's doing awesome work, but yeah, I wanted to make sure that we were able to kind of like use that as an opportunity to bring people in that aren't reading everything we've done in the DCU this last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The comic industry is a fascinating beast. And in the light sure. of the, in light of the coronavirus and all that stuff, like it, it, you would imagine it took a hit. But if you talk to any retail, they'll tell you that the the, the sales are great and that things are yeah. actually doing really well. But one of the things that like my colleagues and I always talk about, or recently they were talking about, is that there's a there's not a lot of like hype. You know, it's it, the groundswell yeah. isn't there, and or at the very least, it's not. They're not as loud as it used to be. You know, like Batman would like you know shave, and there'd be a midnight release. And now it's kind of like, <laughs> there's, you know. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I remember when I was working on flash and, uh, we were having lunch and, uh, we were having with a bunch of us. It was like Tom and Scott and James. And then there were uh, a bunch of other creators there. And, uh, and Andy Kuber is sitting next to me and we started talking about Andy Kuber. Um, it was really funny because yeah, Andy was sitting next to me. And a couple other people showed up and and um and i was just like hey andy i want to tell you something he's like what i'm like man i loved it when you were doing kazar like we started talking about kazar and how much yeah. kazar was dope and just having this like whole conversation about it and i was like that scene where thanos is chasing kazar down that hallway is such a dope page and like he's giant and he slides in like so much yeah. cool motion to it and somebody at the table was just like oh i hated that story <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Andy's sitting right there, right. but it it was an interesting thing because you start having this conversation about why it worked, why it didn't work, and 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 we started having this conversation about that time period, and 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 then you know, so these things kind of bleed out other conversations. And one of the things they were talking about was being something that was said at the table was being noisy, yeah. like the stories every once in a while you have to be noisy, um, and you have to feel it's very interesting, like. I'm not sure if I necessarily subscribe to this idea that the characters constantly have to be in danger or anything like that. I don't know if right. I fully buy into that. Mm -hmm. um, but you do have to be noisy. Something has to be happening. Right. Something has to happen. Yeah. Right. Ben like, talked about it where it's like Daredevil can't just eat a sandwich and be happy. You have to like do something to him. Like, and nobody know, would nobody, nobody buy it. Because what happens is if you feel like your characters are 100% safe and happy, um, you'll stop. stop caring and without buying and I, 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 we've seen it but i think that's where i've sort of subscribed to the idea that everything is a roller coaster it has to be a roller coaster it has to be ups and downs it has to have moments where it levels out and then you go back up it has to be that yeah and and that's one thing that um you know and it was funny after that that it was a san diego that that time with andy that was it was like two days later that i pitched um flash war and that was part of it was i was like i gotta make the flash noisy like yeah. you have to every once in a while make these things noisy and when i was looking at dc post death metal i recognized that we needed things to be not necessarily quiet but things needed to calm there needed right. to be drop and that was part of what um motivated me to do infinite frontier the way i did it was i think we needed the explosions to stop for a moment yeah and we to get into a quieter place to kind of deal with the aftermath of things for a little bit but you got to start you it, it's you go, it's yeah you ramp up it's the roller coaster you know yeah. you go down level out and you start 
and they start yeah. getting up higher and higher and then we're so when I was talking to them about Infinite Frontier and Justice League Incarnate, and then, you know, the event that we were building to, which, you know, now is Dark Crisis, um, all the plans I had, I knew at some point it was going to get noisier and noisier and noisier. And that was on purpose. And yeah. I think, you know, I, like, dude, I worked at a comic book store all through high school, all through college. I, and I've had this conversation before with, editorial and people that know me where it's like in some ways i am still that person in the store i don't think my opinion is the only opinion yeah. right like my take is not is not the only take and I, i've always been a big believer that dc comics is more than one person yeah and but i'm sometimes still that person at the counter trying to sell the books and i remember people coming up to the counter and me having to be like this is what this book is about and having to hype them on it and and, and sometimes you can just hand somebody a book and read this is good Yes. And sometimes you gotta they gotta have something to talk about. Yeah. And I've noticed, and maybe it's just as my point of view, right? Like my point of, of DC sometimes can be a fandom sometimes can be limited. Totally. Uh, like everybody's is. I don't think there's anybody looking at everything, right? Like you're yeah. all kind of it's always from your own you point know, of view. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, your own point of view. Um but I was like, yeah, we need to do something noisy and we gotta throw some grenades in here and, yeah. and the thing about being noisy is no matter what happens you're gonna get a wide variety of reactions yes absolutely <laughs> yeah you're gonna get a lot of people reacting for in, in different ways and that was sort of what i uh i was ready for and i'm glad it happened because at least we're talking about the comics that's the thing right like right? People we're talking are talking about the about stories it. yeah talking about the stories talking about the characters talking about the comic books or asking questions about where their character is or what's happening with their character and i'm like that's that's what we want like we good want you, like we know you care so talk about what you care about and yeah. and if this is the way to get you to talk about it let's do it yeah i'm excited man i uh yeah me too I, despite the fact that like because you want to talk about noise the metal wars as i think are you guys the ones who coined the metal wars that was, now is that, that was uh it was dennis okay he came up with the metal wars it needed a name because nobody you can't keep saying dark knights death metal dark knights metal. like it's just it's it's yeah scott's it whole, i mean but scott was building that story a long time too though i mean the whole you know, thing was, yeah yeah going back to court owls he, he kind of had this idea of this cosmology he wanted to do yeah exactly exactly and you're you're acknowledging it and you're you're integrating it it's all part of it yeah um but uh but after the metal wars you know big ass concert sometimes you just got to turn the radio off when you're driving home and like yeah and shut the noise off um but that was that was some noise and it's like but this is a different kind of noise and it's a it's a it's exciting yeah. i think I, I, and i think it's hearkening like you know it's like the legacy promo image that came out mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. is is i think i think it's hitting i think it's scratching people the way where they need to where they're itching you know where they're like yeah, yeah. like i think you're I, I think it's gonna i think it's gonna hit and I don't mean yeah. to say like I'm not trying to like you know who knows I mean for me it's just like I just at the end of the day like Daniel and I had this whole conversation on uh Tuesday morning uh before we posted that we had this whole conversation about like really at the end of the day our my and Daniel's job we we can't control all that our no. job is to tell a story you make the books put them out see yeah well but then what we care about and, and what we're trying to say and and yeah. how you know when we say it's a love letter dc it, it really is you know yeah. and it's a, like we try to put a lot of ourselves and a lot of our heart into that book and that was really what was in uh important to us and that's the part we can control and the rest of you guys just tune out and be like what is the best way to tell this story and, right. and get across what we want to say with these characters i mean that was really the thing about um with flash i had something very specific about flash i wanted to say and, right. and something very specific about barry 
And with Robin, I had something very specific with Robin I wanted to say. Um, with this story, I'm not really saying anything about one character. I'm saying something about DC. Yes. It's, you know, and like we've already been talking about, it's like, you know, the generational history, sidekicks, legacy heroes, classic heroes, all of that. Like, all those pieces are crucial to DC. All of it. Yeah. And the idea that DC is a constantly changing and growing thing, because I always joke about this. I'm, I'm, I know I've talked about this with you before, too. When we go back and talk about Tim Drake to bring it all back around, right? Sure. Like, we have Tim Drake because Jason Todd died. Yeah. You know, it's like I always joke around people where I'm like, Jason Todd died for our sins. Right? <laughs> like, you know, we have some of these characters that you love. Like, I mean, dude, people love Kyle. And I do, too. Like, I love Kyle. We have Kyle because Kyle went nuts. That's right. Right? Like, we had that story that got us this. And and when we go back and look at history, all those things, they, they mean something. And there's something important to those pieces. And it's like, I wanted to do a story about that. Yeah. That's what I wanted to, to, to focus on. I didn't want to focus on any one character, any one thing. I wanted to say something about DC as a whole and, and what I thought was uh, important that needed to be kind of put back out there in a major way. Uh, yeah. And that's what Dark Crisis was. And we'll see how it goes. We'll see how people react to it. I mean, once again, it's going to be like, it's like I'm giving you one puzzle piece, and then you're like, "Cool, I don't know what this is yet." And it's like, "All right, cool, cool. Give me a month. I'll give you another one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it all together, and then people will see what we've built." And yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, Thanks, thank you so man. much for sharing uh, yeah, your insights no into what's happening, where it's going. Uh, Dark Crisis is on sale in June, but we got plenty more coming out that's leading up to it. You got the road. You got yeah. the zero issue. Um, yeah. Anything you want to you want to plug right now? Uh, that being uh, in February, <laughs> that's at that. Oh, that's kind of February. Besides Death Row, I mean, oh, just, Shadow War, right? Shadow yeah, War. Shadow War is coming. Just read Shadow War. Shadow War plays a big part of this too. Uh, it's not going to be really obvious at first, but by the time you get to the ending, you'll be like, oh, okay, that's how it all connects. Yeah, uh, yeah. Shadow War is coming. That's coming out in March. I have Rogues coming out uh, again. Like I wrote that a long time ago, but I love it. It was like a passion project, and Leo Max is doing amazing work on it. It is nothing like anything I've done for DC. So I, cool. I, I think if you're a fan of like Nailbiter, Birthright, Ghost, then you should check out Rogues. Nice. Uh, well, thank you so much for listening, everybody watching, yes. and we'll see you guys next time with another episode. And hopefully, Josh, we can have you again. Again, maybe we can like yeah. as we get towards as, when when we're ensconced yeah. in in the crisis. Maybe we'll, we'll yeah. talk more yeah. about it because people are gonna be freaking out. And I'm excited. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks again, man. Of course. So long, everybody. <laughs>